This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You don't need a publishing contract, a degree from a fancy university, or a cabin in the woods to be a writer who makes an impact. All you need is a story, and we all have one to tell. This is Sounds Good. I'm Brandon Harvey. Today's guest is Allison Fallon, speaker, writing coach, and the author of The Power of Writing It Down, a book that helps anyone tell their story and discover their purpose. Allison founded a company called Find Your Voice, which helps people get into a regular practice of writing through writing prompts, workshops, and coaching. She says that through writing, we can uncover deep meaning and purpose in our lives. Allison believes it's important to sit with life's obstacles, blocks, and pain because by numbing or avoiding pain, we numb and avoid all the goodness of life too. But by sitting with pain, heartbreak, and injustice, we have the opportunity to develop greater empathy and experience the fullness of the human experience, which makes us more effective change agents. She shares how writing can help us make sense of a challenging world and also make a bigger difference. The best news is you don't have to be a writer in the traditional sense to tap into the power of writing it down. Let's dive straight into this conversation. I want to start off this conversation doing something that I don't normally do, or at least I try not to do, which is talk about myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I talk about myself all the time, but I try not to start conversations for the podcast that way. Uh, and we've been friends for a long time, which I, I guess if we think about it, it's, it's, we're probably going on a decade now, which is really... Yeah, close to 10 years. Really exciting. Um, and you've definitely seen me grow and change a lot through the years. And one of the most transformational changes that I know that I've experienced, and longtime listeners to the show have probably heard this as well, is I've been learning to become comfortable with pain and sitting in the pain. I think that I I maybe carried a sense of toxic positivity for a long time that was not rooted in finding hope within the heartbreak, but just avoiding the heartbreak altogether. And I've been reading your new book, The Power of Writing It Down, and it has been so, so helpful for me. And in it, you do talk a lot about this idea of getting comfortable with our pain and more and more so like comfortable with ourselves in their fullness in our complete fullness and and not avoiding those things. And so I wanted to ask if you've had a similar transformation in learning to sit in the pain or if it's come more natural more naturally to you than it has to me. Yeah, well, I mean, we all have our own journey to get where we are. I think for you and I, we have really different um like natural temperaments. And I've always really admired about you. This is a bit of a an aside, but I've always really admired about you, your ability to see the bright side of things and to, you know, like find the gift in a circumstance, even if the circumstance is difficult. And my tendency, my natural bent and tendency is a little bit more 
like, I don't even know if people use this word anymore, but like emo. So (laughs) if anybody's familiar with Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram four and Enneagram fours tend to be a little bit more comfortable sitting in pain. So I say that to say like the transformation for me has been, can I avoid staying in the pain and, and, um, identifying with the pain and seeing the pain as part of me and instead use this as my superpower to, to be able to transform the pain into something else, you know, into something beautiful. So I think we need both. And it's really important to be able to see in order to be able to experience the fullness of ourselves and the fullness of life, we have to be able to see things from many different perspectives. And so if I had an easier time sort of seeing the pain, sitting with the pain, holding the pain, then the transformation has, for me has been, can you also hold the beauty on the other side of it? Can you also see that there's always a lesson in the midst of this? And can you avoid identifying as the girl who loves the darkness or I don't know, does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. And and maybe that's, I think why I've always been drawn to you is there's a little bit of that balance to be found between our two perspectives, because I think, you know, I, I naturally do want to jump straight to that silver lining on the other side, but in the process of, especially I think in the process of making this podcast and people who listen to, especially the first year of the show have heard this, I got to interview all of these incredible world changers, some of the biggest world changers in the world, some of the most hopeful people I've ever met. And I found that they were all comfortable sitting with the heartbreak, pain, and injustice. And in order for them to move to taking action, they had to spend time in that space. And I think there's a few reasons. One, you don't actually know the problem that you're solving until you can, until you felt it too. You develop such a deep sense of empathy by sitting in the heartbreak, pain and injustice that that can be like your engine that, that keeps you pushing and taking action even when it's hard. And then third, I think there's probably, you, you get to connect with the people that you're supporting. And sometimes, you know, you're supporting yourself in that way and making a difference. And so seeing that from my perspective, as a podcast host interviewing all these people, I was like, oh, I got to start figuring out how to <laughs> get comfortable with this pain before I jump straight to how do you make a difference? Yeah. Before you even said the thing that you were going to say, I was, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, you know, everybody, my guess would be that everybody who is having or has had a tremendous impact on the world has experienced deep pain and has learned how to make peace with the pain that they've experienced. I love what you said about how experiencing that pain really put puts us in touch with our own humanity. It humbles us in such an important way so that when we begin to do healing work, justice work, advocacy, speaking up for people who who don't otherwise have a voice, that we don't see ourselves as the savior coming in on the white horse to save these poor people, but we actually see our liberation as tied up with the liberation of the people who we're here to help. And um, we don't put ourselves on unnecessary platforms above them, but we come in as like, you know, one of the human beings who's having this human experience in a human body and, you know, see ourselves as one of and as connected to the people around us. I think that's so beautiful and profound. And it it also reminded me of this idea that Brene Brown has of 
how you can't selectively numb pain. Uh, if you are trying to avoid pain, you're also going to be numbing uh, joy, hope, goodness. And if our goal at Good, Good, Good and just my personal life goal is to feel more hopeful and do more good, and we want to help people feel more hopeful and do more good, the key word there might actually be feel. You have to feel that sense of hope and you can follow all the motions, but if you're avoiding pain, you're also going to not be able to experience the fullness of that hope. Yeah. And true hope is a really vulnerable emotion. It's really, really vulnerable. I have noticed this more as a new mom than any other time in my life that hoping for the future of my daughter, uh, you know, like picturing her growing up and um, finding her own dreams and her own path and, and coming into herself is so vulnerable because it makes me terrified that something bad might happen or terrified that I might screw it up. You know, I'm going to like ruin her. I'm going to make one bad decision and it's going to be all over. And so I think it's important that we acknowledge that hope is not like rainbows and butterflies, but hope is this truly vulnerable human emotion where we put our hearts on the line and we say like, I hope, I'm hoping for something that actually seems either really, you know, in the case of my daughter, it's not like it seems impossible. In the case of like hope for our world, I think sometimes it can feel either really impossible or it can feel like I want this so much that if I don't get it, I'm going to be devastated. You know, I want a bright future for my daughter so much that if I don't get that, it would break me apart. I don't know how I would survive. <laughs> I think what's really valuable about how raw that emotion is, is that it requires something of us. It's not that we get to just stand on the sidelines and like wish for a better future. We all get to play a role in creating that. And that's what I think hopefulness is defined as, is there's a lot of agency to it. There's a lot of action involved in hope. And if you're not playing a role in creating that thing that you're hoping for, then maybe, you know, you're not, it's maybe shallow. It's maybe, I don't know the exact right way to say it, but it's definitely something that that deep feeling and the discomfort that you're feeling is in itself a motivation to take action. Totally. Yes. I want to get into uh, really quick talking about your accomplishments and some of the things that I really admire about your work. You have written and published 13 books and counting. You've coached hundreds of writers from total beginners to New York Times bestselling authors. I think some of them have maybe been on the show. And as the founder of Find Your Voice, you've hosted these workshops all over the country and around the world and helped hundreds of thousands of people use writing as a tool for their personal growth. <laughs> and I say all that to say that you have devoted your life to writing, but <laughs> writing is hard. Like yeah. <laughs> I I don't, I don't, writing sucks. I don't like writing. Um, why have you decided to do this? <laughs> oh, I mean, yes, I hear you. Writing is one of those things kind of like working out where we don't love to do it, but we love to have done it. But the reason that I've devoted my time to this is because I've watched writing have a tremendous positive impact on 
like you mentioned, hundreds of thousands of people that I've worked with. It started because I was working with authors who were hoping to get published. I was helping them shape and outline their books. I was, you know, doing some co-writing and ghostwriting. I was helping people create book proposal documents and, and, you know, connect with agents and publishers. But what I started to notice is that regardless of whether a writer was on a publishing path or whether they were just writing a personal passion project, they were having this transformative experience with the writing process. So they'd be writing about a topic and suddenly the act of working on this writing project would start to have an impact on other areas of their lives that were seemingly disconnected. Like they're they would have a breakthrough in their marriage or they'd have a breakthrough in their career or they'd ha- suddenly have, you know, a, a financial opportunity to come across their path that hadn't been there before or hadn't been visible to them before. And at first I thought, this is just my bias. Like I'm just making a connection here because I happen to love writing and I'm, this is the work that I do. And so I must just, it must just be like the thing where you start talking about buying a car and suddenly you see the car everywhere on the road. <laughs> but when I started to dig in a little bit, I realized there's a huge body of data that shows that this is true. It's it, this is not something I'm making up. That there's neuroscience and and research studies that show that writing is one of the most powerful ways to generate positive change in our lives. And not only that, but writing starts with changing us from the inside out, and that transformation spreads. It's contagious. So um, it spreads to the few people who are in your immediate community around you. And then, for many people, the written word gives them the capability to take that transformation and share it on a much broader scale with hundreds of thousands or even millions of people and to create, you know, um, like a, a deep cultural change by sharing this message more broadly. So as I watched that happen with other writers, and then it's probably too long to get into for this show, but I had a really personal experience deep into my professional life of teaching writers. I went through a massive personal shift, went through a divorce and writing about that experience transformed the way that I saw the experience. It transformed the way that I saw myself in the experience. I truly believe that writing my story about the divorce saved my life. And it was that experience that solidified for me that I wanted to provide this opportunity to literally anybody who wants to take hold of it as a tool for personal growth. You don't have to want to publish a book. You don't have to have any aspirations to share your story beyond anyone other than, you know, maybe like a few close personal friends, but the act of writing down your story can help you stand outside of it, see yourself differently inside of it and really help you gain the confidence and clarity that you need to, to contribute what you're here to contribute. I'll add that for folks who do want to hear the full story, one, they should just buy uh, your last book before this one. It's brilliantly written, really beautiful. But also, we did a podcast episode about it. And so people can just go back through the archive, find your name, uh, and listen to that beautiful conversation that we had on the couch in my house in Nashville. And I love this idea of how writing can help us transform internally and how that can help us make sense of the world and then also make a difference in other people's lives, both in the sense of we are now healthier people, more capable of creating positive change. And also our words matter. Our stories can impact people. I think, you know, as we've seen this beautiful resurgence of people using Instagram captions and and so many other kind of forms of writing newsletters, uh, even like outside of creating a book, there's so much power in writing your story down and then being able to share it with the world. One thing that I I would love to kind of get into briefly is just, I think a lot about 
not just the things that happened to me, but the things that are happening around the world. Over the last year, we have seen a lot of really challenging things. And to be honest, I don't think I fully processed it. How do you think that writing can help us understand and help our perspectives around the news? You know, with all the things we're consuming in the world, how can writing affect that aspect, not just our personal lives, but the external world? Yeah. Well, first I'll say you mentioned that you don't think you fully process it yet. And the truth is none of us have. Part of how we process this stuff is by writing about it. And when you're living in the midst of trauma, and I would call what we've lived through the last year as a world, as a a globe and, and as a nation, it's collective trauma. And when you're living in trauma, you can't process it. You can just live it. And it's only when the trauma is over that you can process it. So there will come a time when we will all be called <laughs> to step into processing what has taken place. And, and for some of us, that's it's starting already now. But writing is a tremendous tool to help us process what has happened. The thing I would say about the news is remember that even the news is someone communicating to you about their perspective on a topic um, that's only one perspective. So I've said this before, but we're living through this period of time right now called the coronavirus, this global pandemic that we've lived through as a globe together. And there are as many stories about what it's been like to live through this time as there are human beings on the face of the planet. So what it's like for you, Brandon, and Portland, Oregon, with your unique set of circumstances and your unique geography is a different experience than what it's like for me. And we probably have shared themes. There's probably been loss. There's probably been grief. There's probably been pain. Same here. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Most of the pandemic, my husband and I were in Los Angeles, California. Um, so our unique geography, our unique life circumstance, set of you know the the unique situation that we were living in, really deeply impacts how we've experienced this event. You that's listening to this, you have had your own unique experience of this event. So to watch the news and to say that one thing what you see on the news or one channel or one outlet or whatever could tell you what it's meant for our country or our world to live through coronavirus is just untrue. I mean, it's false and um, it's really misleading. And I also think it's quite unjust too. Uh, One of the reasons why I encourage people, even people who would not necessarily consider themselves as writers to write down their story and write down their experiences is not only for yourself, because you will transform when you do that, but also because we need to hear from as many perspectives as possible what it has been like to be you in the world because we don't fully understand the world that we're living in until we understand everyone's perspective. So when you go into a bookstore, and I'm using publishing just as a, a, an example, you don't have to want to publish a book, but when you go into a bookstore and you look on the shelf and most of the books are published by middle-aged white guys, then you're only getting a very slim sliver of a perspective of what it means to be alive and awake in in a human body in the year 2020. So we need more diverse perspectives. We need people to share. We need even people who feel like, oh gosh, I'm, I'm like, you know, like as, um, (laughs) like my background is as boring as they come. I'm just another like white girl. I kind of feel like that sometimes. We still need you to know that your unique perspective, your unique experience, your unique voice matters to the collective whole. It's only one sliver of the whole. So you have to kind of like, you know, keep to know that it's not the entirety, 
but it is important and it matters just as much as anyone else. So many things that do happen in the world affect us all in different ways. And it's helpful to process that because it can be easy to look at, you know, a narrative being shared and and think this is how I'm supposed to feel. But like the way that you feel, the way that you experience something is how you experienced it. And to tap into that is really valuable. And and that's what's going to allow you to process all of these things as well. Can we talk also about the transformation of of just becoming a healthier person who's maybe more capable of doing good in the world because you have taken the time to understand yourself, to write more, to yeah, to write things down. The benefit of writing the the you know I called my book the power of writing it down. The power of writing is that it helps you access a part of your brain that you don't usually access. There are a lot of thoughts, beliefs, ideas about the world that we hold that we don't know we hold. The only way you can really know that you hold them is by reflecting on your life and seeing how they play out in your life because our thoughts drive our behaviors, which drive our results. So without that self-reflection, that writing really lends itself so well to that kind of self-reflection. And without that, we'll move through the world and our blind spots will always be our blind spots. So you might think that you're doing great work in the world. And this has happened for me. And I know it's happened for you, Brandon, a hundred times. You think you're doing great work in the world. And until you reflect, you don't realize, oh my gosh, I had a blind spot and I thought I was doing great work in the world and I was doing my very best, but I was really missing this piece. And because of that, I actually hurt people. You know, so many of us, like in publishing, I hear a lot, people will be given the advice to grow their platform and get a bigger platform. And we think like, gosh, if I only had a huge platform, then I could publish this book and I could accomplish my dream of becoming an author. That happens in every industry. But the problem with this obsession we have with growing our platform is that until we've really engaged in a practice like writing as a means of self-reflection, until we really know ourselves, growing our platform will only grow the, the kind of impact that we're already having. And we all have blind spots. So where you're wounded, where you have trauma, where you're in pain, that you don't even, you may not even know that it's there. But that stuff is going to come out sideways and it's coming out sideways in small ways now in the community that you're already living in. And if you don't deal with it and your platform does grow and you have a million people following you, then just know you're going to be having that kind of impact on a million people instead of on 12 who happen to live in your immediate sphere. So we are obsessed with growing our platform. But before we go grow our platform, I always say we have to grow our message. And part of how we grow in our grow our message is by engaging in a regular practice of writing, reflecting on our lives, dealing with the pain, sitting in the pain, letting it transform us. And then our message comes out much more pure than it ever could have or would have before. To be honest, that's not at all what I thought you were going to say. And that was just so helpful for me to hear. I love it when I, I'm in, an, in a conversation and I'm like, I have an expectation on where this is going to go. And I'm like, that's what I needed to hear. That's so helpful because that's been my experience. I accidentally blew up on Instagram right around the time that you and I met in like 2011 or so. I was just a dumb college kid. I did not deserve a platform. I was maybe a little bit healthier than like the worst people in the world getting a platform. But like, I had a lot of growing to do. And I've totally made mistakes. I have hurt people. There are a number of things that I regret. And in hindsight, I know for a fact that if I had been doing the work of processing, writing, I could have caught those blind spots so much earlier without having to hurt people. And I think there's a really incredible opportunity for us to all hone our message and and 
truly create things that help people and are are more thoughtful than than just kind of willy-nilly sharing things online. And that's definitely something that I've been really working hard on the last few years. And so that that's you just gave me so many more reasons why writing is important. Because to be honest, I naturally don't want to write sometimes because it requires sitting in that pain. And you've just given me so many reasons to write that it actually, it's like the good outweighs the bad for me. And I'm like, all right, I'm excited to get up early tomorrow and get started writing. I love it. Yeah, we all avoid writing for those same reasons. It's the same <laughs> reason you avoid you know, going for a quiet walk without your phone or doing a meditation because it can be really challenging to sit with yourself and hear the truth. So um, writing invites us into that practice. And I always tell people like to find a way to kind of trick yourself into enjoying it, just like you would with working out, you know, like you like, <laughs> I had a running coach once tell me when I was training for a marathon, he was like, you got, sometimes you got to just like put on the clothes. You tell yourself like, I'm not going to go for a run. I'm just going to put on the clothes. And then once the clothes are on, you're like, I'm just going to go stand on the front porch um, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm just going to stand on the front porch to see what the neighbors are doing. And then he's like, I'm just going to take a walk around the block. Like, I'm not going to run. I'm just going to walk. And you kind of slowly trick yourself into, into enjoying it. Yeah. This is the perfect spot for us to take a quick break. And when we come back, Allie is going to share the writing prompt that all of us, whether we call ourselves writers or not, can practice to tune into ourselves so we can be more mindful, sit with our pain, and make a bigger difference. She also shares what to keep in mind as we write for public audiences like Instagram. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sounds Good is sponsored by Riff. Can you imagine taking peaches, avocados, or plums and throwing away the fruit only to use the pit? Well, that's exactly what's being done with the coffee bean, which is not actually a bean, but a seed with a juicy pulp that surrounds the bean called cascara. 25 billion pounds of green coffee were produced globally last year, but four times as much cascara was produced as a byproduct. Most cascara is literally just thrown away, piled into these actual mountains in landfills, producing methane gas equivalent to the emissions of 14 million cars each year. But the folks at Riff have a solution. They are upcycling this delicious cascara into a carbon-neutral, plant-powered energy drink called Energy Plus. Cascara is an incredible gift of nature. It's delicious, naturally sweet, and naturally caffeinated. And so they've turned it into the Riff Energy Plus Immunity, which has 120 milligrams of caffeine, a daily dose of vitamin C, and comes in three delicious flavors. Booyah Berry, Get It Guava, and Pick It Up Pomegranate, the last of which is my favorite. It's so good. To learn more about Riff's mission, 
and their new Riff Energy Plus Immunity. Visit letsriff.com and use the code good, good, good to get 20% off your order. One more time, that's letsriff.com. Sounds Good is sponsored by Happily. Now, planning a date night is already a little bit challenging, but adding in a pandemic makes it extra hard. But fortunately, Happily created the perfect solution. Happily is the maker of Datebox. Datebox is everything you need for a romantic and fun date night in your home, right in a box. They even include a custom playlist and conversation starters for your date. With easy sign-up, flexible plans, and fast shipping directly to you, what more could you ask for? Take the pressure off date night and get your first date box for 50% off. Just visit thehappily.co and use the code good, good, good. All one word. One more time. That's thehappily.co and get 50% off with the code good, good, good. Like you talked about before, writing is just such a powerful tool. And whether you ever have a dream of writing a book one day or sharing things publicly, it's just a helpful way of processing, of dealing with our inner selves, of becoming more in tune with our lives. And I know you've got a writing prompt for how we can kind of best do this. Yeah. Tell me about that. Okay. So I teach a prompt in the book called The Infinity Prompt. And the reason I called this prompt the infinity prompt is because it will give you infinite things to write about. So you can use this as a tool to do what I call metabolize your life. It's like a breaking down of what happened, reflecting, kind of keeping what is useful or helpful for you, and then discarding anything that you don't need. Um, And so it helps you gain clarity on your life. It helps you stand outside of your story. It helps you um, like remember the things that you actually want to remember rather than just remembering most of us only remember the negative. And so it helps you collect what you want to remember and it helps you frame a story in the way that you want to frame it so that it can drive your life in a positive direction moving forward. So here's how the infinity prompt works. And if you want to know more about this, I write all about it in the book. I give like the backstory for where this came from because it's built on a on a therapeutic model. Um, I literally have this whole page like dog-eared in the book. I love this section. So I'm so glad you're talking about it. Okay. So the infinity prompt basically starts by choosing an event from your life that feels charged. And by charged, I just mean it has to have some electricity to it. It has to have some emotion, some like visceral emotion. Now that could be like a huge thing. Like you lost a loved one during the pandemic and you know, you haven't really processed that yet, or it could be something much smaller. You could practice with something a little easier, like the guy who cut you off in traffic this morning. So you take an event from your life that feels charged and you start by just writing what happened. You just write the facts of the situation. And as much as you feel capable of doing this, as you focus on this first part of the prompt, try not to include your beliefs about the situation, your thoughts, your ideas, your interpretation, your feelings. Just try to say what, as if you're like a, like a reporter or a journalist reporting on something that took place. See if you can just report the events that happened. And then the second step in the process is to write your thoughts. So these are your ideas, your interpretations. A really great way to get into this part of the prompt is to say the story I'm telling myself about this is. And what you'll find are all those hidden beliefs, subconscious ideas, worldviews that are buried in your subconscious mind. This is what I was talking about 
the power of writing is that it will help you access those things that you didn't even know you were carrying. Even if you were to communicate this story out loud verbally, you likely wouldn't communicate it in the same way that you will when you write it down on the page. Something happens when you pick up a pen and you put it to paper and you tell yourself the truth. So you'll find that these hidden beliefs, ideas are not only driving the experiences that you're already having in your life, but they're driving the way that you feel about the experiences that you're having. So that's the third step in the process is writing how you feel. And you might find that as you write about how you feel about this this circumstance, that you have a hard time separating your beliefs from your feelings, which is normal because, um, and I talk about this in the book too, but our, the thoughts that we have are just literally neurons firing from one place to another place in our brain. And that act of the neuron firing releases a cocktail of chemicals into your body that produces a feeling. So a lot of times we may know the feeling, but not the thought, or we know the thought, but we aren't in touch with the feeling, depending on personality. Usually you're in touch with one more than the other. But as you work through the prompt, you'll find that separating these is really, really powerful. It helps you, again, stand outside of the story, see it from a different perspective, see yourself from a different perspective, and also better understand the ideas that you're carrying around with you that are shaping the way that you feel about yourself in the world. That is so helpful. And so many times, you know, you've got this blank piece of paper. You're like, what am I supposed to write? That's such a helpful prompt. And I can think of a million things that I, I'm, I'm going to apply that to. Yeah. And you never run out of stuff to write about, right? Because there's always something that happens yeah. in a day. Like I, t- I tell my clients when I work with them, I'm like, it can be something as simple as like, you know, I talked to my sibling, my sister on the phone this morning and like it left me with a weird feeling. And you can journal about that. You can try to write down the facts of what was said, like try to write the dialogue. And you'll find one of the things you'll find as you try to write the facts is you might not remember them as well as you think you would. So it's really, really telling. What if somebody's interested in sharing their work with the world? They want to create a piece of content or they want to create some writing that is meant to be shared with other people? What what can we do with that? Well, my guess is a lot of people who are listening to your show are in that position because even if you don't consider yourself a writer, if you wouldn't call yourself that word necessarily, you're producing content all the time. You're creating lead magnets and you're writing email sales campaigns and you're, um, or you're, you know, if you're leading a nonprofit, you're um, writing Instagram posts and you're sending out newsletters to your your donors or supporters. So we're all communicating through the written word. And I think it's important just to remember that there's not a delineation. It's not like there are some people who are writers and other people who aren't writers. Writing is communication. It's a basic human necessity and human instinct. And so if you have the instinct to write and if you're writing emails and captions and text messages every day, you are a writer. So just hold that. The other thing I'll say is that the infinity prompt, there is like a a line between writing that you do for your own personal growth versus writing that you do to share. However, all of the writing that I do to share, and I teach my clients to do this too, is born out of the writing that I do for personal growth. I don't think that if you want to be the kind of person who's spreading good in the world, I don't think you can do one without the other. I don't think you can write for other people without also writing for yourself because Again, like so many people who want to publish are given the advice to grow their platform and they haven't really taken the time to self-reflect and grow their message. And the message is always born out of our own pain, which is how this conversation all got started. So when I work with a client who wants to write a book, that's where we start. We start with you. We start with your narrative, your story, the life you've lived. 
I'll usually work to help an author create uh, like a narrative arc for their own life. And that's the birthplace of their message. The themes that naturally come up, the ideas that naturally come up, the like, you know, takeaways for the reader or the moral of the story that naturally come from your own narrative arc are almost always the message that you want to share with the world. So that's not as much of a writing prompt as it is just, it's me urging you to use the infinity prompt. And it's also me urging you not to get caught in the hamster wheel of grow your platform, grow your platform, grow your platform. Of course, we want as we want to have a greater impact on the world, we want more people to know about what we're doing. But let me tell you, I've worked with people who have been very, very, very successful as writers and content creators in the world. And everyone that I admire and respect is, quote, growing their platform by reflecting on their own life, using their own pain, healing themselves from the inside out, sharing what they are, what, you know, what's born out of that, that's really valuable and useful for another person and treating the writing process as communication from one person to another person. So a best-selling book is never written by hoping that you'll have 26 million people purchase a copy of your book. Um, a best-selling book is written by hoping my children will read this book someday and be impacted or hoping the family member that I lost, that I so deeply loved, I wish that they could read this book or my you know, sister who's addicted and who's um, like, you know, so, so deeply in need of healing. I wish she would read this book. And so great writing is born from that place. It's born uh, from one person writing intimately and deeply to another person. That is so perfect and so helpful. And what a beautiful way to think about using our writing for good as well, to think about how whenever you're helping somebody, it's it's not that you are helping millions of people, though some nonprofit leaders do help millions of people. It's always about helping one person at a time. And with our writing, we have the power to think, who can I help today? Who's the one person? And we're lucky if it reaches more people than that. But just reaching that one person is going to help us dial in and be the most effective that we can be. A hundred percent. That's Allison Fallon, author of The Power of Writing It Down. Visit thepowerofwritingitdown.com to download the first chapter of her new book, The Power of Writing It Down, for free. No joke, I told her that I could not put down the first chapter. It hooks you in, it inspires you to start writing, and I love that she's offering it for free. One more time, that's thepowerofwritingitdown.com. And then, of course, you can stay in touch with Allie by following her amazing Instagram at at Allie Fallon. That's A-L-L-Y-F-A-L-L-O-N. This podcast was created by Good, Good, Good. At Good, 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 we help you feel more hopeful and do more good. You can find more good news and ways to make a difference in our weekly email newsletter, our beautiful print good news paper, or online at goodgoodgood.co. This episode was created by Kaylee Thompson, Megan Burns, and me, Brandon Harvey, and it was edited and sound designed by the team at Sound On Studios. You can find out more about their work at soundonsoundoff.com. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts so that you can get a new episode of Sounds Good delivered to your phone each Monday while you sleep. And then if you have a favorite episode of the show, do us a favor and head on over to Spotify. 
look up your favorite episode, hit the share button on that, and then post that episode to your Instagram stories. It is a great way to help more people find all of our episodes about celebrating good news and taking good action. And with that, that is a wrap for this week's episode. Go out and spend a few minutes writing. We'll be back next week with more good news and good action. Sound good?